This is Farmer's Kitchen with Spinneys on Dubai Eye 103.8. It is Helen Farmer with you and prepare to feel very hungry indeed as we explore the world of food. And I can guarantee you've probably taken more than a couple of food photos in your time. But what about good food photos? We brought in a stylist, an author and the woman behind the incredible images on Spinney's magazine pages. Caitlin was joining us live to explain how to take a good pick to make people stop scrolling. We were speaking to Chef Thomas, the head chef at Cordelia St. Regis the Palm, explaining what makes his Saturday brunch stand out and what exactly is Macedonian food. If you or someone in your life is keen to work in tourism, F&B, hospitality here in Dubai, a place renowned for it, we were speaking to the team behind Dubai College of Tourism, explaining what courses are on offer and who is their demographic. Plus the latest food news with Courtney Brandt, including the formula for the perfect chip butty and how to send food back without being a jerk. Tiffany Eslick, the creative director of Spinney's, was on the line explaining their new magazine, Nourish, what is in the pages this month. And it was legendary French chef Daniel Bullard who was on hand talking about a seven-course tasting menu and what dish he would be if he was on a plate. You're listening to Farmer's Kitchen on Dubai Eye 103.8. We are talking food now, and I can guarantee you've probably got a phone within an arm's distance of where you are today. And I can also guarantee you've probably taken a few photos of your food over the years great food photography can make your mouth water it can get you to try a recipe to book a restaurant bad food photography can simply turn your stomach joining us on the line now delighted to be in conversation with professional food stylist food journalist recipe developer photographer and author too caitlin allegra she's in town shooting the next edition of spinney's nourish magazine caitlin welcome back to dubai how are you Thank you. I'm very well. Oh, I love being here so much. Uh, it's such a, a great inspiration for me. Um, so thank you for having me. Well, it's a pleasure. I've got so many questions for you. But before I start picking your brains on taking good food photography on our phones, because I know you obviously snap photos wherever you are, but you also have professional setup studios and all of your gear. But um, I'd love to find out how you got started in this. What? Uh, tell us a little bit about your journey from food lover and, and writer to this becoming, you know, your, your life's work, Caitlin. So I, from a young age, um, I really loved cooking. I loved food and uh, I grew up sort of smelling what my grandmother was cooking. And, you know, the older I got, the more sort of intrigued I got from, you know, what was coming out of her kitchen. And I remember as a child, I used to like, pour over cookbooks and collect magazines and I was just always wanted to create the recipes and make them look the same as the pictures Mm -hmm. um, in the magazine and the cookbook and I often remember like doing that but being so disappointed with how (laughs) my mind came out. Um, I twisted my grand's arm to make a meringue and we did everything wrong um, <laughs> looking back now. And it came out so flat. And I remember being so disappointed. And I think that's one of the things that really inspired me to go into the direction of food styling and photography. I, I tried to make recipes and um, the pictures look as close to possible as the, what people can replicate at home. Thank you. And I, yeah. <laughs> because I, th- I think that's, I think it puts off a lot of people. Like As you say, you know, it's that expectation gap. And we have this with food photography when we order food as well. And you're like, oh my goodness, this burger's going to be seven inches high. And you're like, it's a what? It looks like a what's a what? Um, but, but exactly. What, but if you're new to cooking and you're looking to kind of dip your toe in it and try some recipes, if it doesn't come out, you think, that's this is isn't the moment I was hoping for. I was thought I was going to have this flush of pride and people would around the table would, you know, gasp and we're all just a little bit disappointed. So, so you, you're about making things realistic and honest, I guess. Yes. So just to, to clarify, there's two kinds of food styling. Um, there's uh, what they call commercial food styling and what they call editorial food styling. And I'm an editorial food stylist. Commercial food stylists are, um, they work for big brands and they will style things for commercials and billboards. And there you, uh, things are a lot more perfect. And, and that's the, the sky high burger that you're talking about with mm-hmm. the perfect grill marks. And that's a whole different art, um, in itself. Uh, I prefer the editorial side, which is more, um, it's more sort of true to how you would cook at home. Mm-hmm. We use, uh, fresh ingredients. We don't use any weird sprays or, 
glue sesame seeds on buns one by one. (laughs) Um, (laughs) And we eat the food afterwards. That's what I was about to say. Because as you say, sometimes when it's commercial, which is, you know, effectively selling a product, um, it is, it's all these, you know, tricks about using inedibles to to look like, you know, ice cream or sauces or meat or, or, or char marks, as you say. Whereas this is, I mean, that's a nice end to a, to a shoot day when you get to sit around with people you've enjoyed working with and, and share some of the food you've been shooting. Um, Absolutely. But, but you My neighbours love me. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not surprised because you've got a cookbook that is dedicated to chocolate. Oh, my gosh. What is it about that ingredient that really uh, kind of inspires you? You know, I uh, the one thing about chocolate is that it kind of marks all the really special occasions in my life. If I think back to when I was a child, um, you know, from I've got a, one of the first photos of me enjoying food. I've got chocolate smeared all over my face. I, I remember my birthday cakes were all chocolate. Um, as a teenager, I remember um, boyfriends giving me chocolate bars with love notes written on them. And then my wedding cake was chocolate. And, you know, it's, it's, it's kind of, it's, it's one of those ingredients or one of those flavors that marks so many special occasions in our lives. Um, and that's why I truly love it. I, I mean, I'm a chocoholic. I love chocolate. Um, so much that I married a chocolate maker. Oh, <laughs> match made in heaven. Oh. Right. And I, so I have a lifetime supply sorted. <laughs> Farmer's Kitchen on Dubai Eye 103.8. We are talking food this afternoon and delighted to be joined live on the line by cookbook author, award-winning baker, photographer and food stylist, Caitlin Allegra is here. She's actually in town shooting the next edition of Spinney's Nourish magazine. So we've stolen her away from the studio to share some of her top tips. Caitlin, thank you for being with us today. Um, if you could create the optimal situation for taking food photos, what kind of components would be there? Okay, so the, the, the first thing about great food photography is to avoid artificial light. Um, so food loves natural light. Uh, so I always look for a window um, so I can use the, the natural sunlight. I switch off any artificial lights in the room. So fluorescent, any artificial light is really bad for food. Um, and whatever you do, don't use a flash. Never use a flash. <laughs> Never use a flash. Um, so I, I always, if I'm in a restaurant and I want to snap a photo with my phone, I will go to a window um, and then I will use light from one side. So at the minute it's one directional. It makes food look really great and the shadows really complement the picture and add dimension to the food. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you can even, um, if you've got like a black uh, magazine or a blackboard you can also put that up next to the food to cast the shadow and it really makes such a massive difference in in how the food looks on the plate what about angles where do you like to shoot from or what can be an eye-catching angle to stand out amid everybody's you know super speedy scrolling so I I have the saying when in doubt shoot it from the top. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so and and that's really great as well for if you're shooting in a restaurant or a cafe because it's the easiest angle. Um, and I always look at also using the floor as a texture, interesting texture, um, or chair. Maybe there's a napkin on the table that's that's got a really lovely um, pattern, and you lay that out and you put your plate on top, and it's now you're now creating something a little bit special that tells the story of where you are. Um, and also, you know, focus on the food. Obviously, that's the hero. And I like to use a few elements from from the restaurant or where I am just to make sure that I'm telling the story of the food. What about colours? We know that some brands understand the the psychology of colours to make us hungry. You know, we think about well-known companies that might use red and yellow, for example. Are there any colours that can work in this context too? Yes, definitely. So um, I always think about complementary colours with ingredients, you know, Things like tomatoes and basil, for instance, the red and the green, they make each other pop or uh, orange ingredients and blue. Um, So I often use blue backgrounds for baked goods um, that are like a brownish orange because it really um, brings out the color in either way. Yeah, I guess it's like Um, opposites of the color wheel, isn't it? That kind of. Exactly. 
Obviously, there are other ways to, to use colors and textures, but I think the complementary colors are the easiest if you're just using your phone um, because they, they're simple and they work and they pop. Um, and then, you know, if I'm making food at home and, and I know I want to shoot it, then I, I always think about the colors and textures of a dish and how they're going to look together. So I maybe try and add a pop of color with either some, some herbs or, you know, avoid food that's too brown okay. um, because you know it's quite hard to make that look good <laughs> it might taste amazing <laughs> but, you, but might not yes. photograph well but okay. you eat but you eat with your eye right mm. <laughs> what about if all goes wrong but you need to get the photo any kind of last minute tips and tricks to just pull it off so yeah there's there's like a few recipes that sometimes you look at it and you just like this is not working um and so i go when in doubt covered in chocolate um (laughs) (laughs) dusted in icing sugar or use a lot of fresh herbs and that always seems to save the day (laughs) well as i said you are here to shoot for the next finney's magazine are you able to tell us maybe not the specifics but what kind of things you're going to be working on while you're here in dubai caitlin Yes, uh, so this issue is very much inspired by um, the fact that I'm visiting here and tasting all the local um, different dishes and spices and I'm shopping up a storm and cooking up a storm. So uh, I'm definitely inspired by where I am. I'm not not sure if I'm allowed to tell you what the theme of the issue is, but that should give you a big, big (laughs) clue. Um, Yeah, and I'm really enjoying cooking with such amazing ingredients. Um, you know, when I walk into Spinney's, it's just, it's like a feast for the eyes. Mm. And I, I almost, uh, it's just such a big inspiration for me. Uh, you know, that's how, how you cook, right? Is you, I like to go in with a blank, a blank palette and then be inspired by little things and smells and sights and colors. One last question though, is what about shooting at night? If someone's in a restaurant in the evening, because I've seen people do this, people getting their torches and lighting photos for their friends. Can this ever work or should, should you always, oh, only ever capture daytime meals? Okay, so this is a really tricky one because everything I've just told you kind of goes out the window. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> look, if you really, really want to shoot at night, then what I do, what I do is I get somebody to use their uh, flash on their camera or their light. But what I do is I take a white napkin or a white piece of paper and I hold it up in front of their phone so it diffuses the light. Because the worst thing about those camera torches or the, the lights on them are they're just too harsh. So I like to try and diffuse it. And then it's a little bit softer um, and, yeah, it's, it's just not as jarring and it makes the food look a little bit that's more appetizing and then make sure that you light it from the side not from the top because it just completely you know doesn't create any shadows any dips um so yeah that that would be my tip <laughs> on behalf of myself and everyone who's trying to take good food food photos caitlin i can't thank you enough um you can head over of course to your website which is called the that you can buy the chocolate book there and of course see your work in the spinney's magazine nourish which is out very soon caitlin thank you for your time go forth enjoy dubai and i can't wait to see the work that you'll do thank you so much i'm gonna go eat all the things good woman i'm proud (laughs) take care bye bye you're listening to farmer's kitchen on dubai i 103.8 we're talking food to get you through your afternoon and get you excited about the weekend talking food at home taking photos of food and yep getting out and about too please let me know if you've been anywhere great if you've eaten something fantastic Always love your recommendations. Julie Mallon saying, had the Dibba Bay oysters on Wednesday, the best I've had in a very long time at the harbour in Jumeirah. Don't forget, head over to our social media. We were lucky enough to go and visit the oyster farming facility last week. Unbelievable. Um, That's at Dubai I-1038 FM. Somewhere where I know they serve oysters is Cordelia at the St Regis on the Palm. We're delighted to be in conversation now by head chef Thomas Pandorowski. Thank you, Chef, especially for making time with us on a Friday afternoon when I know you're very busy. How are you? Excellent. Well, thank you for having me. Actually, I was hungry uh, listening to all that food ideas. (laughs) Sorry. I'm sorry. I have to say, if you haven't had your lunch yet, people, the next few hours are going to make your tummy rumble and certainly thinking about what we're going to be eating at brunch tomorrow. Now, Thomas, can you tell us a little bit about your background, where you're from, and how that has really influenced what's on the menu at Cordelia? Sure. Well, I was um, 
born in Canada, but my family, we are Macedonian Greek heritage. Um, and lucky enough, I was basically born into this industry. My father being a chef, uh, most of my life cooking with him um, and then going on to culinary school, uh, had the privilege to work with um, different chefs from across the world. So in that aspect, I, I would say I was pretty lucky. Um, it's interesting. For me, I had when when people have a chef as a father or a mother, it can go one of either way. You you kind of either inherit that passion and you, that love, or you think that's really hard work. Those hours are no joke. I'm going to do something completely different. <laughs> you clearly well, had the right. passion. No, you're absolutely right. Um, you know, for me, I think. There's two things. Either you love it or you hate it. Um, I fell in love with it uh, at a very tender age. And I still remember at the age of like six, um, sitting on a milk crate, uh, my father showing me how to mold uh, ground beef into a burger. Um, So from there, it just took off for me. And um, I've been doing it ever since. I can't see anything myself without whites. Oh, well, that, it just goes to show you're in the right place and you know, we're, we're lucky to be benefiting from all that hard work. Now, it is Friday afternoon. A lot of people might already have their Saturday lunch brunch. Still can't get used to it. Booked. Um, for anyone who's not familiar with the menu at Cordelia, just opened St. Regis on the Palm, can you explain us, maybe walk us through your brunch and uh, some of the dishes that we could look forward to? Well, absolutely. Well, when I first came on board, um, the restaurant was already existed and it was the theme was Mediterranean. So from that aspect, me um, having Mediterranean background right away, I knew what I wanted to do and put the vision with our general manager and our director of food and beverage, as well as our marketing team. And from there, there was a vision because typically in um, Dubai, all the bunches that you see around, you have things from Mediterranean, then from Thai, and it just goes all over the map. <laughs> yeah. What, we, what I, we wanted to create was just strictly Mediterranean and the food that I grew up with. I think, speaking of someone who has been to brunch and ended up with everything from prawn crackers to curry to sushi and pick and mix on one plate, I applaud a bit of a cohesive menu choice there when it comes to cuisine. Farmer's Kitchen on Dubai Eye 103.8. We are talking food, glorious food, getting you in the mood for the weekend. And uh, Saturday brunch, used to be Friday brunch, Saturday brunch, a real uh, gem of Dubai's dining scene. And we're speaking now to the man behind Cordelia at St. Regis on the Palm. It's head chef Thomas Pandorovsky. Um, chef, can I ask you, we've seen big changes when it comes to brunches over the last couple of years, COVID being a real um, factor in that. Can I ask how you've navigated that when it comes to buffets, but also the food waste that is often um, a really common byproduct of these of these feasts. How do you deal with it, Cordelia? Well, it's actually a very good question for us. Um, when we started thinking about the brunch and what we wanted to do, um, the first thought is, okay, we wanted not just to have the shaving dishes, um, because you see this everywhere. We wanted to interact with the guest. So, from that point, um, we do like, for for instance, our Diba oysters, that there's a trolley and it gets shucked right at your table. Um, wow. Another item that uh, I'm a big, big fan of is the salt-crusted whole-baked salmon that as well is uh, basically broken, uh, brought to you on a trolley um, with the sauce. So we try to interact with the guest. Mm-hmm. Um, for me, I think that is the best as chefs, you know, there's nothing better than uh, sitting down or speaking with a chef who's, you know, cutting you open a salmon or shucking an oyster for you. Mm-hmm. For me, that that defines who we are. We, uh, For me, I always say that this is something that we should be proud of. I think, and we stand up tall and enjoy yeah. ourselves. And I think a lot of it's to do with that interaction and, and feeling like there's, I, I feel like there's a big difference between service and hospitality. And if you are able to be an expert and explain, you know, these, these oysters came from you two hours down the road and this is what you should be tasting and this is how we create this dish rather than, I mean, I'm also getting old. I don't like queuing for food. <laughs> I want to be sitting down with my with my friends um, and and have that experience because that's you know that's why we come together as people to to share and and celebrate and and, and be together. Absolutely, you know, um, there's nothing wrong when you just want to sit down and enjoy the afternoon. Mm-hmm, um, absolutely, and especially here at our brunch, um, we think we've just actually really hit something um, 
something that um, you don't see too much. We have just from the violinist um, to the interaction with the chefs. Um, it is amazing, you know, the bartenders making you the, the cocktails and bringing it to you. Um, it's everybody's interacting. And I think this is what makes us uh, hopefully different. Chef, I wanted to ask you, you mentioned earlier your heritage of Greek, Macedonian being raised in Canada. This is where I confess I know nothing about food from Macedonia at all. I actually had a Balkan breakfast this morning at 21 Grams, which was amazing. But can you explain a little bit about some of the key flavours and dishes from, from Macedonia? Well, um, one of the, the national dish is um, basically um, a bean stew and in our area where we grew up, um, and we used to visit every summer, uh, visiting our grandparents, uh, my sister and I and my mother, um, it's a lot of stews. And um, in my father's village, there, there's a cheese, a particular cheese that's made there, um, and it's known as kashkava, and it's used here in the Middle East a lot. Yeah. So for me, I'm very proud of that. Oh, well, thank you for your time today. I know that Fridays are very busy when it comes to service for the restaurants tonight and, of course, getting ready for brunch tomorrow. So, Thomas, I'm going to let you get back to your team. Thank you so much. Um, Get ready for brunch. I know it's going to be a busy one. The weather's amazing. Everyone's in the mood to be together and uh, enjoy the weather and the food. So thank you for your time. It's head chef there of the St. Regis, the man behind Cordelia, um, Chef Thomas Penderovsky. You're listening to Farmer's Kitchen on Dubai Eye 103.8. Now, if you are keen to get into hospitality or tourism industry, but not quite sure where to start, maybe you've got a young person who is growing up here and looking at their next options. Perhaps our next guest can offer you some guidance. Athlan Baluki is the experiential learning manager and instructor at DCT. That's Dubai Tourism. Sorry, Dubai College of Tourism. And she's joining us live on the line now to answer my questions and indeed yours. Athlan, how are you? I'm good, thank you. How are you, Helen? I am really well. Lovely to have you with us. And I was, quite frankly, unaware of DCT until quite recently. And I find it really fascinating because, as we know, tourism and hospitality is such a big part of Dubai's lifeblood and what makes the city what it is. When it comes to F&B and tourism, from your point of view, how important is this sector to the UAE? Well, thank you so much for having me and a wonderful question. Um, to start off looking at F&B, for example, gastronomy is a pillar of the tourism industry and most definitely something that needs to be kept alive. Uh, you know, um, Dubai houses about 12,000 different restaurants from food halls to gourmet restaurants and uh, fine dining restaurants. So, and we're seeing more and more celebrity chefs that are inclined to open their niche restaurants here. Mm-hmm. Um, looking at, for example, just last month, uh, the first award ceremony for the 50 best restaurants in the MENA region launched in Abu Dhabi. And within that, we had three fills, uh, the best restaurants, um, which actually one of our uh, students worked in the cul- uh, culinary uh, oh. team. And we have also uh, Chef Sahar Al-Awadi, who won uh, Best Pastry Chef, and she taught some of our courses here at the college as well. It not only shows how much the scene is growing, but also the need for vocational graduates mm-hmm. uh, to join the industry. I think that I think it's really interesting, as you say, to think about the celebrities coming in, but also Three Fills mm-hmm. being a really good example of the homegrown talent we've got in the region and how exactly. that's being celebrated and even exported. You know, when we think about Maine, for example, um, and lots of places going going international, um, whether that is Saudi GCC or or out to London as well. Can you kind of maybe paint a little bit of a picture on what is on offer at the college in terms of the types of courses and even the length of them, Alham? Yes, of course. So the college, we teach five different uh, disciplines. So we have hospitality, tourism, culinary arts, retail business and events management. So uh, as I said, it's a vocational school. We are heavily reliant on experiential learning um, examples. So um, we find that in the UAE, like you mentioned, we have a wonderful population of Dubaians, like we like to call them, right? The the generation that has seen and experienced the city. Um, and we want to bring them in because we find that they have the experience to, you know, to describe the city and to give the right experience to the visitors coming in. So um, at the college, we have, uh, we, we teach those, those disciplines at different levels. And as you know, vocational education is a framework that has multiple pathways. 
so the future is, is really, it's like you're, it's in your hands. You can do anything with that. I think that hands-on aspect is important in all industries, but especially when we look at F&B because there's, you know, there's the, the so-called glamour of, you know, restaurant work mm. and then the reality. Um, and to, <laughs> to be able to get a look behind the scenes about just how much grit and determination, but also what you get out of it when it comes to actually seeing the smiles on people's faces when you feed them and greet them and, and are around them. Yeah. It really must bring exactly. it to life for a lot of people. It does. I mean, you know, at the college, like I said, we rely heavily on experiential learning. We we bring in guest speakers. We take the students on site. We uh, uh, they do an internship, so they get to experience it firsthand. Um, and so, you know, I always try to give them the reality of how it works. I worked in hospitality for multiple years, and you know, it, it helps that we have so many wonderful faculty here at the college that can share their experience. To say, mm-hmm. as you know, it's a very rewarding uh, job, and we actually, you know making that experience is kind of the whole point of the job. So it's it's a lot more than just the technique, but it's actually the heart that's in it. Alan, can I ask you a little bit about how technology and even social media has changed the face of tourism and specifically F&B? You know, we heard recently about one hotel chain who are training their staff specifically how to take photos of guests and food. How is that being woven into the courses? Well, um, it's interesting. Yes, so technology definitely is, is taking over. I think... Um, so just a, it's a funny story, actually, at the height of the pandemic, uh, we started obviously using blended learning experiences and we, we it's, it's a hybrid system that we still use until today. Um, but funny, actually, our, our culinary chef during the height of the pandemic was sourcing different types of ovens and delivering it to students to make sure that they can successfully complete <laughs> what, their practical at learning <laughs> at home um, and while completing completing it virtually. So it was Wonderful to see actually the extent that we can go uh, to to help them complete something successfully online, um, you know, with minimal really uh, effect of their of their development. So uh, technology is definitely something that's huge. And I think um, we have also seen, you know, with social media being so strong, we embrace that in the college. Actually, we have student ambassadors at the college that within their practical learnings, they're constantly filming, kind of creating like their own tutorials. Mm-hmm. And and we share that on our platforms because we find that, you know, sharing their own experiences is the best way to get the word out. Alan Baluka joining us this afternoon from Dubai College of Tourism. If you've got any questions, do get in touch. Uh, Jihan's asking, can you tell us about the age range of students? Good question, because are, are people coming out of high school? Are there people in their 30s, 40s and beyond that might be looking at a career change? Do you have a typical demographic as such? Well, actually, we we love for high school students to join us. And it's actually, um, you know, we find that it's best that it's, it's the natural progression. You go through high school, you graduate, you join us. And actually, there's no age limit. You know, we have um, a range of mature students as well that come in that want to change their career halfway through. We have um, we've had we've seen such different situations and stories where people say, well, you know, I I studied medicine and now I realize I actually want to be a chef. And mm-hmm. we welcome that. Yeah. Uh, it's always good to know that there's a place where you could shift your career and uh, and help you be successful at that. You mentioned earlier that one of your students was at Three Fills, which, as you said, is now, according to the Mina's 50 Best, the number one restaurant mm. here in the, in the Mina region. Are there any other kind of, I don't want to say success stories, because I feel like every student that must come through <laughs> and graduate and hopefully fulfill their dreams is a success in their own right. But any other kind of, I guess, transformational journeys or people that have stood out in their accomplishments? Yes. I mean, I wish I could have brought them here to tell, tell their stories, <laughs> but... Um... So, for example, we have a wonderful young lady called Noor who works at the Conrad Hotel and she completed a one month internship. And upon completion, she was offered a full time job. And the same for uh, Hind, for example, an Emirati young uh, culinary student who started in uh, Jumeirah on the team and then got a full time job at um, Jamara Beach Hotel now. Um, and actually, away from culinary, we even have one of our students, uh, Adrian, who works at TEC Tech, so the events company in Dubai. Started his internship there, was offered a full-time job, and just a month ago was promoted. So it's wonderful to see in one year what he was able to achieve. And, you know, with our strong connections here at the college under the Dubai Economy and Tourism Department, we're able to, you know, uh, support our students with their, with their dreams. One thing that caught my eye on the website was a course called the Dubai Way. What's that yeah. all about and who's that for? Okay, Dubai Way is actually an initiative under DCT. So, um 
I'll start off with the name. Uh, we find that in Dubai, actually, there is a specific way of doing things, whether it's describing uh, a location, whether it's describing experience. So we found that we would like to, to create a platform, an online platform that houses a series of video-based um, courses where um, anybody working in the tourism industry already can you know, join the system, they can they can take on the classes and find their confidence in, in describing the city the Dubai way. So, um, you know, on there they learn unique uh, selling points about Dubai and the key pillars of Dubai as a brand. Um, they learn about the history of the UAE, they learn about the cultures, the different cultures. So this would be suitable for anybody who's working in hotels, airlines, um, airports, theme parks, um, expo. 2020, um, mm. any anywhere in the tourism industry. And what are you anticipating for the future when it comes to popularity of courses or even specific industries or even particular cuisines that you're seeing gaining in popularity? What, what if you got your crystal ball out, Elham, what do you think we're going <laughs> to see in, in Dubai tourism? <laughs> so I would say actually from Dubai way, like we are constantly evolving. You know, we've recently added a sustainability course. We're going into inclusive services. Um, so so it is evolving a lot. We at the college, um, we often send out to to industry leaders so that they can let us know actually where are the gaps? How can we help? Mm. How can we get the students uh, to a level or to a uh, with, the, with the skills that they need in the industry? So we're constantly getting this approved by the industry. Um, and their leaders and and implementing them. So, um, you know, I think that sustainability is huge. I think definitely that is the direction that uh, that we're going to. It's a course as well that we teach in the college um, with the Dubai Can Initiative as well now from uh, our Crown Prince. So, so there are lo- lots of things coming up in that field. I would say. Just on that so, note, so you know, responsible uh, tourism. Sorry. No, no, no. I think I think that's it's, that's exactly it. it's working towards those UE goals and, and putting practical things in place to actually, to actually mm-hmm. reach them. Dubai Can's a really good example of that. So I was on Kite Beach yesterday. I did a little video sent to for here just just you know because that's what we do. Um, so this, <laughs> now this is going to sound ridiculous, and to anyone who is new to Dubai or is listening from another country, you're going to think I'm absolutely mad but I filled up my water bottle and the water's delicious have I become like some kind of weird (laughs) Dubai water snob because it was really tasty water who am I is that strange thing to to notice but so well we saw it overnight in our offices you know we we and I have my my can here and uh you know I refill and I went over to Expo over the weekend with with some family, and I, I and they didn't bring their bottles with them. I was thinking, so are you going to purchase a bottle, <laughs> or what are you planning to do? They're filtered water, uh, you know, all around. So you have to just refill. I, it's very interesting. It yeah, is to see it's, how quickly we adapt in Dubai. It really, really is. But yes. 34 points now for Dubai Can all over the UAE and also don't forget um, in hotels as well. But yes, you've got the Helen Farmer stamp of weird water love approval that the water's delicious. <laughs> um, Elham, for anyone who wants to find out more about the courses, the offerings that are happening at Dubai College of Tourism, what's the best way of getting in touch or finding out more? Yes, they can go onto our website. Uh, so DubaiCollege.com. We can also check on our Instagram. Uh, we also are on TikTok. So there are many platforms where you can reach us. There on Instagram, you'll hear a little bit from instructors sharing their experience and frequently asked questions. But also on our website, you'll find our courses. If you'd like to apply, it's a free application. And then one of our team members touch with you. We can schedule a show around the college, but also um, you know speak to the instructors or other students about their experience. Thank you for uh, for keeping Dubai standards so high when it comes to service and hospitality. Um, Sunny's saying, I'm going to go and taste the water at Kite Beach to verify. Sunny, you have to. It's, I, I stand by it. It is cold. It is delicious. Um, Alhamdulillah, thank you so much for joining us from thank DCT. You, thank you for having me. You're listening to Farmer's Kitchen on Dubai I 103.8. Delighted to be joined live on the line now by food writer Courtney Brandt. She is travelling the world at the moment, eating some of the best food, and we've managed to steal her away from the airport. I think you're back for about 24 hours before going off on your next travels. Where have you just got back from, Courtney? I just returned late last night from Lisbon, Portugal. It was my first visit and I fell in love. I genuinely fell in love with the city. Tell me some of the culinary highlights. What were some of the best things you ate? I'm not going to do a humble brag. It's going to sound like it. But um, the team from uh, Jose Aviles, who we know in Dubai because he has Tashka mm-hmm. at uh, Mandarin Oriental, um, he has a number of restaurants in Lisbon. And I went to his signature, Belcanto, which was phenomenal. Uh, he also happened to invite 
the number four uh, chef in the world, Vigilio Martinez and, Mar- oh. and Vigilio's <laughs> Pia, for a private dinner at an unopened restaurant next door called El Canto. Okay. Uh, so that's my life these days. Great. You're lucky that I like you. You're very lucky because <laughs> I'd be turning your mic down. Now, we're going to go from highbrow to quite lowbrow because in the news today, a scientist has decided how to create the perfect chip butty. Now, me being from the UK, I'm very familiar what a chip butty is. It's basically, in my book, bread, chips, fries, ketchup, butter, and another bit of bread. Now, the scientist is going down to, you know, thick oven cooked chicks, uh, 12 of them specifically, medium sliced white bread, um, <laughs> and then goes on to, I mean, really kind of laying out the details. Courtney, chip sandwich, fry sandwich, how do you have yours? So, uh, you know, I'm, it's, not a, it's not something I have every day, but I do like that it's, you know, they interviewed 2,000 people. This is very scientific. <laughs> so British. I have, to say, <laughs> I have to say, though, that um, I mentioned I'm team BAP. Um, I BAP. don't understand. Bread is not enough. Like, like thick, even thick cut bread has to be a BAP. And because I'm from the States, we got to have mayo. So Ooh, this only ketchup no. thing, I don't understand. <gasps> brown sauce, brown sauce. Um, there you go. Oh, my gosh. Um, now, I think one thing we can all agree on it has to be white bread. I'm sorry. Yes. This is not a time to be thinking about, like, anything remotely healthy. I want really revolting, be brilliantly white bread. So there you go. You can Google it, the perfect <laughs> chip butty. Um, speaking of uh, bread and, and baps, and there's a recent article which has uh, kind of scratched a bit of a psychological aspect as well. The reason that so many people eat the same breakfast every day. Do you have the same thing most mornings, Courtney? I do indeed, actually. What do you have? So I have English muffin toasted, um, butter, and then I have, there's a garlic salt that is sold at 10.04. Um, so it's a Japanese product, and I literally have it every day of my life. That's, <laughs> that's your breakfast. I don't want to sound like your mum here, Courtney, but what about some, some fruit or veggies on that plate? No. I mean, I have, a, I have my multivitamin and I have a cup of tea, so <laughs> that's, that's it. Ticking the box. For me, I have, I actually do, I have a fruit smoothie at about seven o'clock in the morning and then I have like my second breakfast at about nine o'clock, which is crackers, um, the the Spinney's Arabic ones with the seeds in. I ha- oh, yeah, and I have labne, um, some za'atar and maybe a little bit of pomegranate molasses and sometimes um, and some apple as well on the side. And I, I just I just like it. I like these anchors in my day where I'm pretty much guaranteed I know what I'm going to be having and when. I did go out for breakfast this morning, but that is a rarity. What is it about having the same breakfast every day that makes us tick as humans? So it's really interesting because it's quite psychological and utilitarian. If you think about it, uh, when we wake up first thing in the morning, we kind of crave that stability and our, we need calories in our body. Mm-hmm. So by kind of putting ourselves on, you know, I guess just, you know, this is what I'm going to do every day. There's a security in that, uh, which I found totally interesting. Uh, and then later in the day, since we already have calories, we can make it about pleasure. We can think about lunch and dinner as a less utilitarian kind of function and more, what do we want? What do we crave? Uh, so it's, it's fascinating that this is where we get our breakfast every day from. I think it kind of ties into the what people wear, like a bit of a uniform, you know, like thinking about Steve Jobs <laughs> being like, but it frees my mind up to make amazing creative decisions. Farmer's Kitchen on Dubai Eye 103.8. It's getting controversial on the text line 4001 to let me know how do you have your chip butty Steve painting a culinary picture that I want to eat. Perfect chip butty, Safa style, whole white loaf cut in half, filled with chips, brown vinegar, salt and pepper, version two, all the same, but no salt and pepper, add lashings of hot peri-peri sauce. Let me know yours on 4001. Joining us live on the line now is food writer Courtney Brandt. To answer all the big questions, crucially, and I say this as a pretty uptight, inhibited British person, how can you send food back when you're in a restaurant without being a jerk about it? Courtney, do you have the answers? So I do, and I have. Um, it, it, you can do it without being, you know, without, with being able to show your face again, let's say, at the I, restaurant. I, I'm more concerned about them spitting in my food, full disclosure. I think, okay, so let's approach it this way. First of all, it's definitely okay to say something, and it could be something like an allergy. Uh, you know, for example, if you have a significant allergy or aversion to cilantro, um, then you maybe, you know, you have to send it back because you have an allergy, and that's totally fine. Uh, be nice, but be direct. 
sometimes I think, though, you have to take a step back and think of the bigger picture, which is this is a restaurant. We, we live in an imperfect world. Mm-hmm. You know, choose your battles, really, is what it comes down to. If it's something minor, let it go. Because, like you said, we don't want uh, it to go back to the kitchen and have anything untoward Some of the chef's it. special sauce. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and finally, of course, say thank you. You know, be appreciative that... Um, if, if a dish isn't up to your standard or something is critically wrong with it or it's not what you're expecting, I think you have a right as a diner as long as you're polite uh, and you, you know, kind of just don't, it's not a time to beat somebody up. It's just a time to speak up and say, hey, um, this isn't okay and, you know, maybe here's why. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, don't be a Karen. Don't don't ask to speak to the manager. <laughs> good life lesson. Don't be a Karen. Also answering the big key question, and I find this really interesting. I went out for dinner with my husband the other night, and it was set up for four. And I was like, well, where do you know? Interesting. Do we sit next to each other, like on an angle, or do you sit opposite each other? If you're standing in a banquette, if you're having on a date, do you sit next to each other there? What is? Do you think some of the the best configurations, Courtney Brandt? Where should you sit on a date? So I'm, I'm pro, of course, I want to look at the person I'm dining with um, at a restaurant. And then I realized at home, I pretty much dine primarily next to my husband because we're watching TV. <laughs> oh, thank you for so, being honest. <laughs> yeah, I think it depends on the location. But for me, I, I really love seeing people's expressions and the cues that they're giving. And I... It, in the article, it said something about, well, it's easier to share a plate if we're sitting next to each other. And Come I thought, on, like, well, how big is the table? Weird. No. Yes. Come uh, on. So I'm, I'm, but also, if you're dining with another couple, I like to mix it up, too. I don't think you always have to sit next to your partner. Uh, you see them all the time. <gasps> That's an interesting <laughs> point, because I think in some, some cultures, some countries, you would sit very close to your partner. We've got European friends, and they think it's unusual that Nick and I are like, see you all the time, buddy. You're at the other end of the table. I hear yep. your chat, you know, seven days a week. Whereas there's, there is such a preference, I think. It a lot depends on the group. Maybe, your, maybe yeah. your partner's a safe space amongst people you don't really want to be around. Um, Courtney, before I let you go, because I know you're off to Oman, you lucky thing. Um, anyone that you recommend following? Any restaurants we think we should be checking out over the weekend? I know you've got your fantastic roundup that goes out um, over the weekend as well. Top, maybe one hot recommendation, be it a chef, a place or a dish. Sure. I'm, I'm going to sneak into, I want to go to Inti. Um, which is a new kind of Peruvian one. Views are amazing. Where is uh, it? It's in uh, Business Bay, downtown Dubai. And then Reef Osman has opened a new restaurant in Sharjah. And I think mm-hmm. that he's always worth checking out. Always love a bit of Reef. Thank you so much. For anyone who wants to sign up to your newsletter, which is a roundup of stories, recommendations, your travels as well, what's the best way of doing that, Courtney? You can find me for free, um, the weekly A to Z on Substack or on all social media underscore Courtney Brand underscore. Happy travels. We will catch up upon your return. And please just stick around a bit longer next time, okay? You must be exhausted. Courtney Brand, <laughs> always a pleasure. You're listening to Farmer's Kitchen on Dubai I 103.8. It is all about food on today's show and getting you in the mood for the weekend, of course. Joining us live on the line is the content director at Spinney's. Tiffany Essek, as we talk about a brand new look for the magazine. What is in those pages? And perhaps giving you some inspiration for some cooking to do over the weekend. How are you, Tiffany? Happy Friday. It is indeed a thing to say happy Friday. <laughs> I'm fine, thank you. Happy Friday to you too. Good. Now, first of all, congratulations are in order. We've got a fantastic magazine as ever, but with a whole new look and name. Can you tell us what we can find on the shelves of Spinney's on the magazine front as of today? Absolutely. So, yes, we're very excited. Um, we've rebranded our magazine, and it's now called Nourish. Um, and we did this um, basically because with our company purpose in mind, and also it's our celebrations issue. So, you know, there's a lot going on in March and April, and we thought this is the perfect time to do it. Mm. Um, so, yes, um, it's now Nourished by Spinneys, um, which will nourish your stomachs and your, your minds and your souls, hopefully. <laughs> oh, I love this idea. And in terms of the content, you know, the... Everything from you know the writing, food photography, the ideas. Um, what are some of the kind of key changes that we can look forward to? Yeah, so we've introduced quite a few new sections and pages. Um, up front, we've got something called the cut, which is kind of like our you know selection of news and reviews and trends and that sort of thing. Um, so we've got a page called word of mouth, which you'll find lots of product launches and 
trends, looking at like TikTok trends, for example, mm-hmm. in this issue. Um, we've got a drinks page where I'm super excited. We've partnered with Lindsay from the tasting class oh, and she'll have a regular column um, where she shares a drinks recipe as well as like, you know, how to kind of embellish that drink, you know, whether it's garnishes or also like home sort of um, mixology ideas. Um, and yeah, so I'm really, really looking forward to that. Uh, we've also launched something called Seven of a Kind. Um, so we're going to, that's going to be quite ingredient focused. This time we've gone with truffles because it's the occasion um, edition. So we thought it would be quite bougie. Um, <laughs> and um, so that's looking at like, you know, different types of products all centered around one main ingredient that you can find in store, mostly new products. Um, we've got a restaurant roundup, uh, so that's sort of always highlighting three of the latest openings. Fortunately, there's a lot of openings. So I yeah, know you're going to need more space than that, too. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then we've got a little thing on, like, trending dishes, um, because we often see, you know, that the, a trend will move through the UAE very quickly. Mm-hmm. At the moment, it's Beria Tacos, so we've highlighted the three best taco joints. Um, and then House Rules is a, a DPS that we're doing with um, chefs who are really making a mark um, with their sort of sustainable approach. So we've launched with a lovely interview with Russell and Piazzi um, from the South of Um he, Yeah, you know, we've done a lot of work with him with our Spinney's Farm to Table program. Um, he's featured in our cookbook. But he is just doing, you know, he inherently believes in sustainability and it's just amazing what he's doing. Mm-hmm. So we're sharing all of those tips and, and news that he's, that he's up to. Um, and then uh, we've oh my gosh, you've been, you've yeah. been so <laughs> and this busy. Is just a cut, you know. So yeah, <laughs> oh, you know why I was so busy. <laughs> oh man! So use um, it up is I'm 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 totally guessing and projecting. Are we looking kind of continuing that sustainability thing about? Uh, you know, I'll have a leftover. Yes, exactly. So we we figured like not that anyone's probably cooking every single recipe in the magazine all the time, but there's a lot of there, there are some ingredients that will be left over, like common ingredients, you know, from our recipes. So we take looked at those and then created new recipes from those active ingredients, um, which is quite it was quite a challenge, um, but but fun. And so we've come up with some really lovely recipes. Um, so yes, that's the cut. Um, <laughs> so that's the, that's, that's the first section. Oh my goodness, you yeah. guys work so so hard, honestly. And it's interesting that you're kind of talking about an edit because that's kind of what we do on on the show. Is that you know there's so much obviously happening on the shelves, spinnies when we talk about producers and products. So to have that all kind of brought together and highlighted and communicated in a really kind of easy to excuse the pun digest way. Um, yeah, it's just yeah, really, really helpful for readers. You've also got some Definitely. new kids pages as well, which I'm going to be writing for, which is rather exciting. Um, and it's yes. Mother's Day this this uh, in this issue. Um, what do you suggest that kids do for Mother's Day to? Uh, I was say get in the good books, maybe stay in the good books. Yeah, so we thought, you know, we don't want to, like, encourage kids to make a huge mess of the kitchen because that's you. not going to work. Thank you. Um, and we wanted to make it super easy for dads as well. So we've come up with a recipe for a breakfast, um, like a croissant bread and butter breakfast skillet. Ooh. So essentially, yeah, a croissant bread and butter pudding. So it's using store-bought croissants, custard, mixed berries. You just pop it in your skillet or any baking tray, to be honest pop it in the oven and bake. And then you can serve that with a lovely cup of tea. I'm sure mum will love it. Thank <laughs> you very much indeed. Um, now, something that I always find really interesting in, in magazines, and sometimes good and sometimes bad, is sometimes that there are these incredible dishes which are so inspiring. You look at them and go, oh my goodness, I can never make that. But conversely, it's things that you actually want to make that are the most useful. You know, my mum to this day tears out you know, pages of magazine and she's got her own kind of folder and they date back to, you know, when she was cooking school meals for us. Mm. What about some of those easy to make recipes? Is that still going to be something of a focus in Nourish? Yes, absolutely. And we thought we'd make it super easy by bringing like a whole section to the front and we called it Weeknight Wonders. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, yeah, most of the recipes in the magazine are still all attainable, but this one is specifically is for, we'll always have five recipes um, ideally for a family of four, but they're easy to you know, scale down or up if you need to. And everything we promise you, you can have dinner on the table within 30 minutes. Oh, and, um, not spend a fortune. Even, <laughs> yeah. even I will set, I will set the timer, Tiff, and I will message you <laughs> yeah, being like, too. <laughs> still going. What kind of what yeah. kind of dishes are in the current one that we could look forward to? 
So we've got a butternut and macadamia milk curry, which looks um, absolutely delicious. And macadamia milk is sort of popping up everywhere at the moment. So, you know, we had a, in the last edition, we had a recipe for a roast chicken that was brined with macadamia milk. Um, So I really would like everyone to sort of try that. And please, we really do want feedback from people as well. So we, you know, please email. My email address is in the magazine. Um, And we, what's easy about that is if you really, if you don't like macadamia milk, you could use rice, oat, pea, you know, all the alternative milks will work. Some will make them this curry lighter. Some will make it more heavy. Um, but yeah, there's that. And then we've got a Zatar broccoli mac and cheese. So um, yeah, just like a little bit of a, a Middle Eastern twist on the on normal mac and cheese. Um, and, and, you know, obviously with broccoli. But it's easy. It's, it's using like the tender stem broccoli from Spinney. So it's just like opening a bag and popping that in with your pasta and some cheese, you know. Um, yeah. And then we've also got some oven-baked fish, um, harissa-baked fish fillets. So harissa is with yellow harissa, um, which is not as spicy as red harissa paste. And then a mushroom falafel with herb tabbouleh. This sounds delicious and less than half an hour. Farmer's Kitchen on Dubai Eye 103.8. It is Farmer's Kitchen with me, Helen Farmer, joined now by content director Tiffany Eslick from Spinney's, exploring the new magazine called Nourish, which is on shelves now. It's a big celebratory issue, Tiffany. We've got lots to look forward to in terms of, of course, Ramadan around the corner, St. Patrick's Day, Holy, um, and Easter as well, and International Women's Day too. How are you marking that and really kind of shining a light on some of the women at the forefront of the Food industry here in the UAE. So we thought um, what we'd like to do is just celebrate women, like UAE-based chefs or business owners and foodies, um, some of whom have worked with Spinneys, some who we admire, I mean, we admire all of them. And yeah, so we chose four women. Um, I mean, I could have chosen hundreds. You know, so it was really hard to narrow it down. Um, and we did like a really lovely interview with each of them. Um, so we've showcased Kathy from Merzam. Uh, Lama is behind um, Mamalu Kitchen and her Easy Freezy products at Spinney's. Um, Nisha, who I know has been on the show from Naksha Collections, mm-hmm. and she's one of our Spinney's incubator winners, just much, much like Lama. And then Luma from Mo's Tacos and Good Burger and everything, you know, her supper clubs, she, um, she's up to a lot. And it was just really lovely speaking to all of them and finding out like what, you know, what inspires them in business, who do they look up to, do they feel that women are all supporting each other in the UAE um, about their backstories? And, yeah, it, um, there's some really lovely stories that have come out. from oh, I think you, you could do a section on, on women and food in every single issue. If they're just, just sharing my content ideas with you yes. for free. Yes, <laughs> absolutely. But that, that's really wonderful. In terms of other celebrations, I mentioned there loads, loads going on um, for, I mean, it's March, April, so... The Holy uh, Nuwa's Mother's Day, Ramadan Eid, St. Patrick's Day as well. Um, I also wanted to ask you a little bit about your Live Well section. Now, the magazine, as you said, is called Nourish. It's not just about nourishing, you know, your body with amazing food, but also, you know, soul and and lifestyle. What are some of the interviews or focuses you're going to be um, looking at in this issue? Yeah, so with the Live Well, we just really did, you know, we've always had it, but we thought let's bump up those pages. And we want to have a lot more interviews with nutritionists or psychologists or sort of experts in anything to do with the wellness sector. Um, so this one, we've got a love, an interview with Dr. Rupi. Um, he was at the oh, Emergency Festival. I love him. He's awesome. Yeah. And he is all um, about kind of healing healing with food. You know, he's exactly, such yeah. an expert. Exactly, so, yeah, so Davina, our digital editor, interviewed him, and so we've got that. We've done something on why um, dark chocolate is good for you. Link yes. The <laughs> yeah. Can we can we just can we just say can, why chocolate is good for you, and then that'll just yes. absolve me of everything. Yeah. Okay. Perfect. Thanks exactly. So. <laughs> I just keep that on my desk to justify all That's my afternoon snacks. Um, we're also going to make sure that we have a few more pages um, dealing kind of with like baby food or baby products that we sell. Um, and, you know, perhaps we've got an interview from the person who started Ella's Kitchen with a recipe. And we'll try and have more interviews behind those brands as well. Um, and then we've got your column, mm-hmm. um, which will always feature in Live Well. So I know that you've round up the latest activities for families before it gets swelteringly hot. It's all about burning off as much energy in those children as uh, 
<laughs> as easily as possible without having to cross the threshold of a soft play because I think we've got that ahead of us in the in the warmer months. So yeah, everything we've got zip lining, adventures. So yeah, um thank you for mentioning yeah. that. Yeah. And you you guys went on that crate that sledder. It looked quite <gasps> was it frightening or fun? The Javel J sledder was awesome um yeah we went camping um over the weekend and in the next morning because you know well, we've got kids we're awake early and we're like well let's just pack up and yeah. drive up to towards the top of jebel jays and there was a still a bit you know still a queue and it opened at nine but they were processing people really really quickly i just wasn't mm-hmm. expecting it to go that fast i kind of thought it'd be like a gentle poodle down the mountain no no it's like a full kind of roller coaster feel and much longer than i thought too and actually i know it's not really silly it was a lot cheaper than I thought. I don't know why. Okay. I, I don't know why I thought. I don't know. You just get, you just get yeah. used to certain prices for certain things. But yeah, Jebel J Sledder, highly recommend it. Um, but yeah, get, get there early would be would be my kind of big yeah. advice. Tiff, thank you so, so much. Um, the new magazine is on shelves now. Yes, indeed. Well, go and have a rest. It sounds like you've been working incredibly hard for, uh, for our reading <laughs> pleasures. Thank you so, so much. Speak to you soon. Okay, bye. You're listening to Farmer's Kitchen on Dubai Eye 103.8. It is Friday. We're talking food and truly honoured to be in conversation now with Chef Daniel Boulud. He is one of the most prominent French chefs in the world and his restaurant in New York has garnered two Michelin stars. We are lucky enough to have him here in Dubai. He's here now uh, making an appearance at his incredible restaurant, Brassy Boulud, which is at the Sofitel Dubai. The Obelisk Chef, wonderful to have you back in Dubai. How are you? I'm very happy to be back in Dubai, always. Well, we are very lucky to have you in Dubai right now, but also to have your presence here on our dining scene. And it's interesting thinking about the kind of the evolution of French cuisine, really, and, and how you interpret it. For anyone that hasn't been to Brasserie, how do you explain the menu to someone who's walking through the door for the first time, Chef? Brasserie Boulou here, it's, it's really a French-European and a restaurant that... Uh, I think as a, uh, an international appeal for Dubai as well. Chef, you're here to do a seven-course set menu. Can you give us a little bit of a sneak peek, a preview of what is on that menu? What ingredients are you going to be working with? Well, we're going to be working, uh, we'll have a, to start a, a foie gras with pear and cassis. Mm. Uh, and that's, uh, you know, as we are reaching the end of winter, pear, a wonderful cassis, uh, we uh, we like to treat with a uh, little bit of fruitiness uh, from the berries of cassis and framboise. So we have some dry framboise. So that will be um, uh, a starter. Then uh, we'll have a tuna with fennel. And the tuna is made in two ways. Uh, one loin is it, it's slightly seared, very uh, it's a raw sear and seasoned. And of course, there's fennel pollen inside, and there's uh, uh, fennel, and then we have a sauce which is uh, very much like a tonato sauce, uh, you know, vitello tonato or tonato sauce with a little bit of um, uh, the, the the tuna, the cooked tuna, and um, and and the garlic and a little bit of anchovy, a little bit of um, lemon and uh, an emulsion of that, and then with that there is a little sandwich of tuna with a soca. And we do the trimming of the belly. We make a little tartare with also some wonderful canned tuna. We buy the, the finest canned tuna <laughs> from Spain. <laughs> uh, the, you know, the, the ventreche, which is the, the belly of the canned tuna. And, and, we, and we flake it also mixed with the tartare. And that is served with a little bit of black olive soca from Provence. So it's a very Provencal-inspired oh, um, dish. Heavenly. And then there's some confit fennel, raw fennel. Um, and then to the, uh, with that following, uh, we'll have a frog legs. And sometimes I like to either inspire myself, pay homage, mm-hmm. or uh, have a little reference to someone we love. And so we're doing a frog legs velouté, where it's going to have also puff pastry cap to cover that. So we bake both the frog leg velouté with the, with the puff pastry and then we finish with uh, a tonado of beef. And then we, we finish with a, um, with a palador. And the palador is a, basically a composition of chocolate and gold. So do I. So in one, in one evening, we are going to be 
Oh my goodness. We're talking frog's legs and fish, beef, chocolate and gold. So we should probably we should probably skip lunch and wear and wear some uh, some yeah, generously no, sized clothes. <laughs> no, it's very important it don't matter where and um, when you when you go to enjoy someone's cuisine and you know that's going to be uh and you're excited to have a tasting menu and something special i think it's important to skip lunch definitely especially when it's one of yours um can we go back in time a little bit chef if you don't mind can you tell us where you grew up who was cooking and uh, what was on the table i was born and raised on the farm where everything who was coming to the table was cooked by my mother and my grandmother and everything came out of our farm from the vegetable to Meat, uh, you know, we were raising chicken, duck, uh, geese, uh, lamb, veal. We even had baby goat during the springtime. We were doing our own cheese. We cooked every day for the family. You know, when when we needed mushroom, we go in the field and pick up wild mushroom. And we had the game season. When game season came, we go hunting. And to to grow like this, it was uh, really... What uh, a privilege to grow up like that. And and what... uh, and what I think a, a lot of chefs dream for... today to have, to have their own farm, to be able to do it farm to tables. And, and you had that from a child. <laughs> and, the whole, and, and maybe my biggest challenge and frustration is that I haven't been able to achieve to get my own farm yet because I live in America, my parents live in France. And, mm-hmm. I, think, yeah. I think what that speaks to is you obviously had an understanding of seasonality and a respect for ingredients and that's really maybe what reflects my cooking. Mm-hmm. Uh, I didn't learn cooking in the laboratory with a creative chef who was doing molecular cuisine. You know, I learned cooking with my grandmother. With I learned cooking with very traditional chef and with the, the respect of the ingredient, the seasonality, the 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 tradition, the 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 flavor and the soul. The soul in the cuisine was very important. You're listening to Farmer's Kitchen with Spinneys. Only on Dubai Eye 103.8. It's Helen with you for a date for the diary. You can celebrate St. Paddy's Day at the Coca-Cola Arena with Irish singer-songwriter Ronan Keating. The best-selling international pop star will be performing live on the 18th of March. Tickets start from 145 dirhams and are over on the Coca-Cola Arena website. He, of course, was famed for his boy band success, but gained worldwide acclaim as a solo artist as well after a single When You Say Nothing At All was featured in the film Notting Hill, reached number one in several countries. The event is conceptualised, designed and promoted by Navin Rishi's company Speed Entertainment Dubai and by arrangement with Solo. That's the 18th of this month. St. Patrick's Day with Ronan Keating. You're listening to Farmer's Kitchen on Dubai I 103.8. We're meeting the chef and what a chef we have for you today. Chef Balud is with us. He has got Michelin stars all over the world and he's here in Dubai serving up a seven-course extravaganza at the Sofitel Dubai. By the obelisk. Now, chef, let me ask you: If you were a dish, what dish would you be? I think I'd like to be a roast chicken because <laughs> when I make my own roast chicken, first I put truffle under the skin, then I put a foie gras inside, and then I baste it and baste it gently and slowly and beautifully until I'm perfectly crispy and golden. <laughs> and I have a lot of vegetables around me that give me plenty of flavor. You sound so delicious. I'll be my grandmother's <laughs> roast chicken, yeah. I love this, this idea of homely but elevated. I think that's it. Oh, yeah, exactly. That sounds amazing. Now, it's a tough question, but it's a question we ask every chef that comes on. If you could choose mm-hmm. your last meal on earth, and maybe it is before I send you to a desert island, what would be on the menu? Can you put together your dream starter main and dessert for us, Chef Daniel? I think it'll be food that was not about uh, fancy or uh, expensive or anything, but uh, nurturing, soulful. And it always relates with uh, the gathering, the gathering of all of us around the table mm-hmm. and how much we enjoyed that. So to start, it will be a pumpkin. And we use, and I use uh, normally um, the cheese pumpkin, and so, um, and this is your starter. This is the starter. The starter. Baked cream with and pumpkin. Oh my goodness! Okay, we're forgetting calories for the last meal on earth. I'm fully in favour. What's going to come next? A roast turkey, because for me, 
in in my home in France is the turkey was for Christmas, and Christmas was maybe the happiest time of all of uh, the the family to gather together and celebrate over. So the the the, the turkey, of course, had the chestnuts, and we had a lot of winter root vegetable, but we also did a gratin of cardoon. And the cardoon is a vegetable that is kind of Mediterranean, but in Lyon, it was a big specialty. Okay, and do you have a sweet tooth? What would be for dessert? And then dessert will be off à la neige. What's that? Because off à la neige is basically floating island. Floating oh. island, the egg white, but neige like pali- snow. Okay, I see. Yes, with and but we put I put uh, the red praline from Lyon uh, because that brings me back to Paul Bocuse and Paul Bocuse in Lyon, my mentor, but also was my friend and as the most incredible restaurant in Lyon. Chef, I can't thank you enough for your time and your stories, your enthusiasm. You're making me very hungry indeed. Please, please put your final supper on your menu. I would love to experience that. Sounds incredible. (laughs) And one last question. If someone's going to come to Brasserie Boulud this weekend, what do they need to eat in order to feel like they have tasted your foodie philosophy? I think I will taste the escargot. We have uh, the the sole. We have... um, the tuna dish also is wonderful. Chef Daniel Bullard, the, the, the image of you as a roast chicken will stay with me forever. Thank you so, so much for your time today. Wishing you a wonderful weekend full of food and family. Well, look forward to family. seeing many of your listeners to uh, Brasserie Boulou here at the Sofitel Obelisk in Dubai. Thank you. Thank you, Chef. Farmer's Kitchen on Dubai Eye 103.8. Thanks for being with us on this episode of Farmer's Kitchen. You can tune in live every single Friday afternoon between 2 and 5 on Dubai Eye 103.8.